Welcome to the Song of Songs. This is a podcast based on the biblical book, The Song of Solomon, otherwise known as The Song of Songs. This is your host, John, and in today's episode, we're going to look at the first couple of phrases of Song of Solomon 1 and verse number 4. Up until this point, we've been for- formatting these episodes uh, in such a way that we we do just a kind of an explanation of what the verse is getting at, what it's talking about, and then we make a spiritual application, and then we make a marital application, and we've divided our time pretty evenly among those three uh, different uh, topics. But starting with this verse, we're going to deviate from that format quite a bit. Uh, there is a very plain, very clear uh, explanation as to what this verse means, what it's talking about. But as as we explain what this verse means and what it's talking about, we're going to be making the spiritual application. And when we make the spiritual application, we're going to be focusing much less on the marital application and how we can apply this in our families and in our homes. Even though those are good things, I just, there's so much to be had in the spiritual application. And when we make the spiritual application correctly, when we really, really... Uh, start to open our eyes or the Lord starts to open our eyes to these truths, then he's going to help us be a better husband to our wives and a better wife to our husband, better father to our children. And all of those other relationships are going to set themselves straight when we get our relationship with God right. And so I want to focus on the spiritual application more than I do on anything else, because this is a spiritual book. Uh, This is uh, part of divine scripture. It was given by inspiration of God. And so uh, we ought to pay attention to the spiritual application here. So the first two phrases of this particular verse, draw me, we will run after thee. And the rest of the verse is very good too. We'll get to that. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pick off more than I can, I can chew today. Um, there's so much just with these first two words of, of draw me. If you look at the this phrase, draw me, and, and, and we study it out, okay? So the Hebrew word, and again, I'm, I, I trust the translators, okay? I, I do word studies and things like that because it fascinates me, but I trust, I trust the translators. I don't believe that you have to have this special knowledge of Greek or Hebrew in order to rightly understand the scripture. Not at all, okay? If you want to understand what the Bible says, you don't have to have a PhD. You have to have a humble heart, and you have to present yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me something. Lord, show me something. So I'm not advocating that, you know, I know something just because I have access to a concordance. Listen, you can go online and look up the same information that I'm getting here. But the most important thing is that we trust the pages of Scripture that we have. All right, God has given us a faithful and reliable uh, translation of the Word of God. He's given us what we need, okay? So, all of that aside, I do a little bit of word study. The Hebrew word that's translated here is draw, draw me. That word is also sometimes rendered as or defined as uh, to seize, okay? You think about to seize, um, to to capture, to um, arrest, to grab, to conquer. Those kinds of kinds of terms go along with the definition uh, of this word. Uh, to pull, to drag. That's what the word draw here in this text means. Um, it means first and foremost for us. It means draw. Okay. Um, so if you go back in the scriptures and the first mention of this particular word, 
the Hebrew word, uh, is in Genesis 37, verse number 28. And this is speaking about uh, Joseph, and Joseph's brothers had despised him. They threw him in a pit. Uh, they were going to leave him for dead. And then some merchants came by, and they said, well, why don't we... Uh, make some profit off of him. And so they drew him up. The scripture says they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. So the idea, or not the idea, but the, the fact is that they threw something down there, some kind of rope or something like that. They they got something that Joseph could get a hold of or that could latch on to Joseph, and then they pulled him up. And that's what the term draw means. So you think about it in the context of this romantic relationship that uh, I believe Pharaoh's daughter has having with Solomon. Okay, and again, if you're interested in who's who in the defense of the book and some of those things, you can go back and listen to the very first episode. It's a lengthy episode, but there's timestamps, especially if you go and listen on the YouTube channel uh, of Turning Tide Media. You can find timestamps and just. L- point out exactly what you want to listen to. Um, But I believe this is Pharaoh's daughter, and this is Solomon, and she's saying concerning Solomon, I want you to draw me. And and there is a desire there again seen that where you go, I want to go, and I want to be where you are. And that should be the desire of the Christian. You know, for us to say, Christ, where you go, I want to go. And I want to be where you go. And that's what Jesus desires of us. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 14, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. He's, con- he's gone so that he can receive us to himself again one day when the time is right and appropriate. But our desire ought to be, Lord, you know, show us where you are. And, and, and even, you know, because we ought to understand, of course, again, we're making a spiritual application here. We ought to understand that, that we're sinful and that we need the Lord and, and that sometimes we don't desire him like we ought to desire him. And so finding that this word, this term is, is much more uh, aggressive and active instead of saying that it's passive, you know, like a, a wooing, you know, draw me in the sense of, you know, make yourself attract, attractive to me. Uh, that's not really the idea that's that's being presented here. It's not saying, you know, I, I want you to, to pretty yourself up and I want you to act in such a way that would, you know, make me want to want you and all of that. And and, and Christ does that. He, he is very lovely, but sometimes there are, there are difficulties in life that are orchestrated by God. He orchestrates the pain and suffering in our life to draw us closer to him. And sometimes we don't necessarily see him and his will as being as lovely as he actually is because we're still dealing with our flesh. And so we have to understand that there's still that, that propensity in our heart as the hymn writer said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Uh, and and he says in the ver- or in the words preceding that phrase, he says, "Bind my wandering heart to Thee." That's really the mentality that's being uh, presented here in the in the term. Draw me, draw me uh, to put, bind me, uh, throw a rope around me, lasso me up, because there's going to be days where where I don't want to read my Bible. There's going to be days where I just will not enjoy prayer. There's going to be days where on, on Sunday morning when I wake up and I just, I, I don't feel like going to church. That's the flesh. There's sin in our life. And anybody who says they don't have sin, they're a liar. That's what the scripture says. First John chapter number one. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. And so, you know, there are days where we fight and we fight and we struggle and we struggle and and we don't do as well as we ought to. And in those days, we ought to say, Lord, just lasso me up, you know, throw throw a rope around me and pull me, drag me kicking and screaming if you have to. But do not let me sit in in the the filth of my own sin and of my own complacency drag me pull me lead me wherever i need to go lord just don't let me be idle and don't let me be away from you and that's that's really the mentality that's being presented here uh there's uh, other songwriters that that understand this mentality as well you know uh, there's a song uh, i found a friend oh such a friend he loved me uh, ere i knew him he drew me with the cords of love and thus he bound me to him and uh, and so you you get the the picture here from songwriters from scripture alike there are times where you know really we're just completely dependent upon him and we can't even depend on our desire to desire him. We've got to ask him to increase our affection, to increase our love, and, and to help us on those days where, uh, you know what the scripture says in Philippians chapter number two, it tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then the scripture goes on to say, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, we ought to be working out our own salvation in fear and trembling, but we're still dependent upon the Lord. Lord, you've got to bind me. Uh, what Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth us. Okay, there's there's this kind of language all throughout Scripture that you know, we, we are compelled, we are constrained, we are bound by the commandment of God, by the love of God, by the person of Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. And so we, with the bride, ought to be able to echo Lord, draw me. So she goes on, draw me. And then she says, um, we will run after thee. Now, an interesting distinction between these two verse, or these two phrases. You see in the first verse, draw me. That's personal and private. It's not saying draw us. It's singular, right? But then it goes on, we will run after thee. So a couple of things about that. First, you know, this is a very personal thing. We've got to understand personally, I need him. I need him to draw me. I need him to not just woo me and not just make himself, you know, attractive to me, but I need him sometimes to chasten me. I need him to chasten me because if he reproves me not, then I'm not his. That's what the scripture says. If he doesn't chastise us, then we have nothing to do with him. He chastens those whom he loves. And we need his chastening. We need his rod of correction. And we need him to bind us. And we need him sometimes to just, if I can just use uh, the expression, to, to get a little rough with us. And we shouldn't be afraid to ask the Lord to do that. We shouldn't be afraid to ask the Lord, Lord, would you draw me on those days where I don't want to put in the effort would you help me? Would you teach me? Would you show me? Would you reprove me? Would you do whatever's necessary to get get my rear end in gear and, and get me where I need to be? So that's a very personal request. But then you have the contrast of we will run after thee. 
And this is another reason why I'm just absolutely convinced that this this book ought to be interpreted this way, of uh, speaking about Christ and his relationship with the church and the church's relationship with Christ, because you have an individuality to it, right? Draw me, individually, draw me, but then you have a community. We will run after thee. And if you interpret this as God's love for his people, then you see is God's love for his people in general, but also God's love for his people in in particular. And so uh, we see this, this personal request, but then you also see others who are joining in with the labor as well of we will run after thee. So we being plural is speaking about all who love the king. Okay, And, and that's just a direct application or a direct rather uh, interpretation of what this this verse is saying, she's saying, draw me and we, speaking about the virgins in verse number three, therefore do the virgins love thee uh, at the end of verse number four, the upright love thee. And that's less speaking about the character of the people who love him and more about how they love him. We'll get to that in a few episodes though. Um, but you see though, in the context of the text, uh, that the bride is, she's she's speaking and communing with him and, and making her desires known to him individually, yes, but then there's also this host of people that surround her as well. And so we as Christians, we, we need to have that personal, private, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but at the same time, we need to be joining in with other believers and we need to be running after him as well. So th- this is speaking about all who love the king. Uh, we will run after thee. Uh, to run, that's speaking about the effort and intensity of uh, how we pursue him. Uh, and running is hard. <laughs> it's tedious. It's something that not many people enjoy doing. I'm one of the weirdos that enjoy doing it. Um, but that wasn't something that just came naturally to me. Uh, In fact, the reason why I started running for for fun and recreation for health and whatnot is because of what the scripture has to say about running. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and uh, Hebrews chapter number 12, both of those passages of scripture liken the Christian walk with a a run. And uh, so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I got into running in the first place. But I will go ahead and, and tell you that um, the, the hardest bit is all of it. <laughs> it's all hard. And uh, running is, is not easy. It's something that requires a lot of effort, a lot of intensity, a lot of discipline, uh, a lot of focus. Um, it requires every, every bit of, of who you are in order to do it well. And so she's saying, you know, we will run after thee. It's not some casual thing. There's, there's no real such thing as a, as a, a casual Christian because a casual Christian's not really truly a Christian because a casual Christian will never take up their own cross and follow after the Lord Jesus. But that's what Jesus demands of us. If we would be Christians, if we would be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and imitators of him, then we need to forsake, uh, be willing to forsake everything, take up our cross daily and follow after him, crucify the flesh, crucify our pride, crucify ourself and follow after him. That There's nothing casual about that. That requires a great deal of focus, a great deal of energy, a great deal of intensity. And, and it could be likened unto a run. In fact, there's a word that is used quite often uh, in these passages of Scripture, especially in the New Testament, to talk about running. 
and and it's literally again the Greek word. Uh, it is the word agon. It is the word from which we get agony. In fact, Hebrews chapter twelve, and let us run with patience the race which is set before us. The word race there is the word agon. It is the word agony. Agony is self-inflicted. I mean, in in the truest sense of it, in the original sense of the word, agony is a self-inflicted pain, intense pain, for a purpose. If we are going to be Christians, if we're really going to be all that God wants us to be, it's going to require us to get off our rear end and to run after him. And then we get the, we will run after thee, after thee tells us, the object of our affection, what it is that we're running for. I remember my first uh, 10K. It was a difficult race. It was one of the hardest things that I'd ever done up until that point. And it was agony to a degree. You know, obviously it wasn't nearly as difficult as uh, other things. You know, it was only only six miles at that point. Since then, I've I've had the fortune of of being able to run a marathon, and let me tell you, that was some agony, Um, and and that was, even in that race, it was like, man, I've got to finish this, I've got to, I've, I've got to get that finisher's medal at the end of this day, at the end of this race, I've got to, I've got to get that finisher's medal so I can say, I finished, and that was the reason, the purpose for which I ran. I ran so that I could meet that goal and so that I could finish. Nobody was, you know, had a gun to my head or was forcing me to do this. It was something that I I set out to do and it required a great deal of effort and it required everything that I had uh, that I had trained for, that I had labored for, that I had prayed for. All of those different things came together and and it was it was hard. And the Christian life is hard. And, and with a race, you know, you've got one race day, weeks and weeks and weeks out in advance, but every single day you've got to keep that race day in mind. And you've got to remember, this is what I'm training for. This is what I'm, I'm seeking after. This is what I'm fighting for. And what, what is it that the scripture tells us? The scripture tells us that we ought to run with patience the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so returning back to our text in Song of Solomon, she says, draw me, we will run after thee. What is the prize? What is it that we are seeking to obtain? We're seeking to obtain him, even though he's already given us himself without measure. And and we learn of him and we, we grow in our knowledge of him, even though he's already given himself to us, there's still more of him to learn. There's still more of him to know. There's still more of him to discern. And so we keep running and we keep fighting and we keep struggling because we know we're not as close to him as we ought to be, as we should be. And so we keep pressing forward and we keep pressing on. And and what Paul says, I, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That was the goal. The goal was the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He was running after him that I may know him, the power of his resurrection of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death that's what Paul says he says I want to know him 
That's why I run. I run with an object in mind. And the object of my affection, the object of my labor, the object of my agony is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I ought to be running after. And so that's a very good spiritual application that we can make from this particular passage of Scripture. We will run after the Keep him as the goal, as the uh, as the prize that you are seeking after. So, uh, putting a couple of these things together, even though we have to ask him uh, in the term "draw me," we have to ask him to draw us, to bind us, because oftentimes we're unwilling to go where he would call us to go where he would lead us. Uh, oftentimes we're unable to do what he demands of us to do in our flesh. Uh, remember what he said to his disciples, you know, sit and, and watch with me one hour, pray with me one hour. And he came back and, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, is, is weak. And, and though we may desire to do the some of the things that we ought to do because, you know, we have a renewed desire because God saved us. He's put a spirit within us and we want to do good. We'll find like in uh, Romans chapter number seven, we will find that oftentimes, even though we want to do good, we're unable to perform that what we want to do. And uh, so sometimes we have to ask the Lord, just draw me, you know, wrap me up, bind me, do whatever you have to do. Just don't let me stay where I'm at. And so even though we're saying, Lord, draw me, this doesn't take away the fa from the fact that we still have a responsibility and a free will to be able to say, Lord, I, I want you, Lord, I, I desire you. I understand nobody's going to desire him unless, you know, he's, he's doing a work in their life. We're all against God in our natural state. But when, when God begins to open up our eyes to the word of God, we have a choice of whether or not we're going to reject him or receive him. And, and we ought to be willing to say with the bride here and say, Lord, draw me. And I'm going to give you everything that I have. Not because, you know, that's what's required of me for salvation. No, my salvation's already obtained through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to give you everything that I have because you're worthy of it. Because I love you. Because I desire you. Because I want you. And, and so we ought to not take it easy. You know, we shouldn't be willing to take uh, perpetual rest days, so to speak. We, we ought to be laboring, working, and running hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. So, there's a lot to this passage of Scripture, and uh, we'll dive into some more of it in the next section. Um, but for now, let us be content with pondering on this thought. Lord, draw me and help me to run hard after thee. Until next time, may God bless you. May God keep you in his favor. May he keep you in his word. May Jesus Christ be praised and let us run hard after him.